listening to the Creative Pep Talk Podcast. This show is about commercial art, making a good living, and making great art. Is it possible to do that? We're going to explore that together. We're trying to figure it out. I'm working on it. You're working on it. We're working it out together. I'm your host, Andy J. Pizza. You can find my work on Instagram at Andy J. Pizza or online at www.andyj.pizza. That's a real web address these days. That's what passes these days for a web address. Uh, Thanks to our syndicate, Illustration Age. You can find this show at illustrationage.com slash creative pep talk. Let's get in. So we got our first factor meals and I am pumped to tell you about them. First off, we absolutely loved them. Delicious chef's kiss for the chef crafted dietitian approved meals that come straight to your door. I can definitely see how when deadlines are out of control or you're in a super busy season, how factor meals can lighten your load while still giving you options like veggie, vegan, and even low calorie. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing six to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can even pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup. Head to factormeals.com slash peptalk50 and use code peptalk50 to get 50% off. That's code peptalk50 at factormeals.com slash peptalk50 to get 50% off. All righty, let's get in to today's episode. I got a lot to tell you. I'm gonna try to make it quick and concise and punch you straight in the gut with some serious pep action. Today's episode is practical though. I wanna get practical, down to the brass tacks. Let's talk about dollars and cents. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, I, I personally, don't love money. Um, it's not. Nev- it's never been a motivating factor for me ever. Uh, really, I'm motivated by time. Time spent doing the kinds of things that feel life affirming, life giving. I think if you're a creative person, you can probably relate to this. In my eyes, I define success as in, uh, really loving the process of earning a living. And I, I really wanna strike this balance, this Venn diagram between that supply and demand. You know, a supply where I'm getting in the flow, getting into that work that I love doing, I'm enjoying that process, and then that stuff that I'm making being in high demand. So lots of people wanting what I'm spending that time doing. That's how I define success. That was a breakthrough for me, just understanding that I'm not, I don't, it doesn't have to be the most glamorous clients in the world. It doesn't have to have um, much more than me super being fulfilled doing the work and people being super stoked about that work so much so that they're willing to pay for it. And that's the place that I've been working to find for years. That is the goal, right? I mean, and it seems so mysterious and so uh, mystical for so many of us, and it was for me for a long time. In today's episode, I wanna demystify it and say that I don't think 
that that has to be some far off destination. I do think that you have to think about earning a living kind of differently. And we're going to talk about some perspective changes and some actual things you can do to really stimulate that sweet spot. Uh, so, so here's what I want to talk about. Here's what I'm thinking. So many creative people that I work with, it's like they're a farmer and they've got this giant plot of land and I can't, and they're having a problem and they come and they ask the farming consultant to come check out their field and they're like, I don't know what's going on. I can't, you know, things are up and down crazy. I cannot just earn a solid living doing what I'm trying to do. So I go check out the land and I'm like, yo, what you doing? And they're like, okay, so I'm working on this uh, particular strain of green tomato that I'm trying to get this corporate client contract where uh, if I get that contract, everything is fixed for that year. However, if I don't get that contract, I'm screwed. And the problem with this tomato, it's a particular uh, strain of tomato that is kind of fickle. So if it freezes in the wrong temperature, if it uh, if there's a storm in the spring, there's a lot of things that end up kind of throwing it off. It's not super resilient. And I feel like so many of the creative people I work with, this is how they think. They want to get uh, you know a major kids book published. They want to work with Nickelodeon. They want to work with Nike. They want to pay all their bills doing these big ticket jobs. And the problem with that is even if you're at the absolute top of your industry and you're getting those massive paying jobs, you could very easily uh, have a change in the economy, a change in the weather, and easily get all those opportunities wiped out in a particular year and you're super screwed. And that's why all businesses diversify what they do. In fact, millionaires, most millionaires have up to seven forms of income, seven streams of income. And for me personally, I've found taking a varied approach is not just beneficial in terms of earning a thriving uh, a salary, it's also beneficial creatively. And so I want to challenge that idea of putting all of your eggs in that basket and approach this in lots of different ways so that you can have a salary that's both sustainable and resilient to change and maximize your opportunity for explosive growth. And that's what we're talking about today. Now listen, last thing I want to say, I am a big believer in those big dreams. I'm a big believer in going for your ultimate goals. If your ultimate goal is to get a New York Times best-selling kids book under your belt, do it. If your ultimate goal is to uh, sell a record, sell sell a record to you know 500,000 people, go for that. But uh, there's another layer here because. I truly believe that the key to unlocking that goal is long game. Being in it to win it as a marathon, not a sprint. And if you can figure out some ways to sustain yourself and maximize your time in the meantime, you're setting yourself up for winning. If you put all of your eggs in the basket of that you know, 
that risky big ticket client, you're likely to go under before you've had the time to mature and learn and invest in order to get that thing to happen. And so today's episode, I wanna talk about all the ways that I've had major breakthroughs in that sustainable, thriving income. Let's jump in. Okay, so the first thing I wanna talk about is this idea, number one, the idea is that not all dollars are created equally. One dollar doesn't always equal one dollar because a regular dollar is worth more than a risky possible dollar, okay? And I feel like for me personally, starting out as an illustrator, uh, I got my wires crossed and my whole brain mixed up because when you're 19 or you're you know 20 years old and someone pays you $5,000 for a drawing, that messes up your mind, okay? To where you no longer understand the value of a dollar and you start chasing those giant contracts only to find that most of those opportunities are possible dollars. Like there are times where, first of all, you might not even get the opportunity. Then there are a lot of times where you might get to try for the opportunity. They pay you some money to do a test, but then you end up losing it. And all of that, uh, that idea of these giant dollars ends up soiling your idea of the regular dollar. And so there's a few different ways that I want to talk about how one dollar does not always just equal one dollar. There's a lot of different ways to set up your approach to money that changes that perspective. The first one is uh, regular small money is better than possible risky big money. So one of the things that I did early on that was a game changer was I was working with some local clients where we were working on a semi-regular basis. I ended up providing enough value where I became what Seth Godin calls a linchpin, where it was so much easier for them. Everything worked better if they just went to me every time because we we had that ongoing relationship and I knew all of their needs. I knew all of their requirements. They didn't have to spend all the time schooling me every time. And I started providing a particular value that became a big part of their company and their brand. And so when you find yourself in these situations where you have that possibility to be the linchpin, you can leverage that into saying, look, you hire me almost every month. Why don't we, I'll give you a discount if you subscribe. And if you're a farmer, this could be, <laughs> this podcast is going to do great for all you farmers out there that are listening for, uh, for creative tips. But I used to have this egg subscription service, right? Where they would deliver eggs. This farmer would deliver eggs to my door every Wednesday. 
and they could give me a discount on those eggs. They were cheaper than buying them at the farmer's market because there was more value in those dollars because they were guaranteed dollars. And so who are the people in your life? Maybe there's some stuff you're doing on the side. Maybe there's some uh, opportunities that you can drum up where you can say, look, you hire me almost every month. If you give me, I'll give you a slight discount if you pay me on retainer and do an agreement. Because if you can get that guaranteed regular income, you can start planning and working for those bigger, risky, possible dollars. Another way that this looks, another way that a dollar doesn't just equal a dollar is I was doing a craft show with my wife. She's starting to do craft shows again. She's loving every second of it. She is in her element in this world. Um, and I like going there, eating food truck food, walking around. I took a long nap in the car. It was honestly a great day. Uh, and uh, one of the things that I'd thought of this before, but it reminded me when the stall next to us who does this screen printing, they do it for Broadway shows. They did, they do, they clearly have a really big business. It's been going for 50 years. Here he is at this craft show, just selling a few random prints and t-shirts, and he's clearly not making a ton of money, but he's telling people, he's like, yeah, I like A, just getting out and meeting people, but not only am I just making a few hundred bucks today, I'm also making connections, connections with new possible clients. And so every dollar that they make that day doesn't just equal that dollar. It also equals possible dollars with all the, the relationships that they connected that day. So what are the things that you're writing off because you don't think you can earn enough money that actually could turn into future opportunities and bigger breakthrough? A big part of that is how you can connect with people face to face even if in the moment the dollars aren't massive. Here's another version of that. Another version of that is Let's say you considered making a t-shirt company, but you're not sure if it's going to earn enough money. If you position it properly within your brand, it doesn't have to earn all, it doesn't have to blow your, uh, you have to just make a profit. If you can make a profit on something, you can actually bake in several other layers. You can use it as an education opportunity for you to learn something. And then that, that's extra value. Another one is, what about uh, creating a product line that is really just advertising for whatever it is you do? And so I, I've thought of this in the past. If I thought, I'm gonna do a line of t-shirts. We're gonna invest and do six t-shirts. We're gonna go the whole way. We're gonna make them look swank. <laughs> swank, super swanky, beautiful t-shirts, and they're and it's not really about selling t-shirts. I'd like to break even. Maybe if I could earn a profit, even better. But ultimately, I'm gonna use this as a business card and an advertisement for what I could do on t-shirts and fashion and, and break into that world. And so how can you invest dollars and earn dollars that are worth more than a dollar? Okay, this is one of my favorites. So number two is 
kill the middleman. Uh, I don't even like saying the word kill. I'm such a peaceful guy. When I said kill the middleman, it started to make me feel guilty and violent. So you don't have to kill the middleman. Just tell him to go be creative himself and go figure out a different purpose in life. Uh, where <laughs> No, kill the middleman, all right? This is where you're eliminating clients from the equation. I think it is so essential in this day and age that you start to connect directly to an audience, no matter what type of creative you are. If you're a designer, maybe that make, means making your own brand, selling your own goods. If you're an illustrator, maybe it's about selling prints and products and whatever. For me, this podcast and everything I do around it is a way that I do this. And here's the core of this. This thing is the one of my all-time favorite things. You've probably heard me talk about it, but I want to break it down a little bit further. It's the idea of 1,000 true fans. So, uh, man, I think his name's Kevin Kelly. He was one of the founders of Wired Magazine. And if I'm wrong about that name, I'm sure I'll get 1,000 tweets. Thanks for the correction. I really appreciate it. I think it's Kevin Kelly. He came up with this idea. It was a blog post. It's called The Thousand True Fans. And he said that in this day and age, we are in this brilliant time where in order to make a sustainable, thriving income, all you've got to do is connect deeply and personally with 1,000 people. You don't have to sell a million records anymore. If you can move 1,000 people deeply in their soul and you can deeply connect with them with your art, they will be willing to pay you $100 a year. And if you can get 1,000 people to do that, that is your entire salary. That's as much as you need for a sustainable, thriving income, $100,000 a year. That's pretty good for creativity, for, for, doing, uh, for earning your living with creativity. But I wanna take this one step further because you don't even have to get 1,000 people to pay you $100 a year. Instead of just a thousand true fans, what about 500 okay fans? What would it look like if you could get just 500 people to give you $50 a year? That's $25,000. That can be a quarter of your salary. That can be just money that's coming in that gives you a cushion, something that you can pay bills. You could, what if you could just pay all your bills with this work that you're doing directly with an audience? And then use all of your extra time to go for those bigger clients, forget that bigger uh, chunk of risky money. Take it one step further. What about 250 meh client, uh, fans? What, that that'll give you $25 in a year. That'll get you almost $7,000 that year. That'll pay one of your big bills every month. What could you do if you could eliminate one of your biggest bills month to month? How would that change? How would that take the pressure off of you to do more creative work? And so I want to encourage you to think about how do you cut the middleman? The thing about uh, America as it existed 50 years ago is we needed all of these giant systems. We needed these giant universities, these giant factories, these giant retailers. We needed all of this bloat. All of that is soaking up tons of your ability to earn a living. 
I encourage you, no matter what type of creativity you do, to stop and brainstorm. How could you take what matters to you, the, the type of art that moves your soul, the stuff that you would be willing to buy, and start drumming up a really deep connection with an audience? And my suggestion to you is not to do this, not try to do this overnight, but start dedicating space on a weekly basis to start building a relationship with the core audience because it can be a complete game changer. So number two was politely ask the middleman to get a different position, uh, AKA kill the middleman, AKA get to the farmer's market, skip the grocery store, skip your food going all over the country and world, all that bloat, eliminate it. Get face to face with your customers at the farmer's market. Number three is local, go local. Get your food in the local grocery stores, make some deals, take your farm food, make some deals with the local restaurants, St go sell it right to their face. Say, listen, I have these amazing tomatoes. If you put them on your menu, you can put on your menu, these are local, they come from the farm down the street. Get five of those deals and you're gonna start getting some, uh, a little extra cash, little extra cushion. And what does this look like in real life? Whenever I work with freelancers especially, they get into these situations where they've hedged their bets, they need to earn all of their money on those big ticket clients three times a year, and if they don't, they can't pay their bills and they're screwed and they burn through their savings and they have to go get a job. I've seen it over and over and over again. Here's one of the things I suggest. I suggest taking, if you're, this can apply to anybody, but let's just say you're a designer and you're trying to work with those bigger clients. You're trying to rebrand restaurants and work with Sony and Converse and do these amazing giant things. So you wanna keep your website, you wanna keep your public portfolio crisp and clean. But this is a little dirty secret uh, I used to use a few years ago that saved my butt. Create a little PDF that shows your uh, democratic work, the work that every small town needs, the logos, the brochures, the menus, whatever it is. Prove yourself in that simple way and just put that out on the DL. Maybe you got some parents that go to church and that church needs flyers every week. Maybe you have a friend that works at an agency and you can say, hey dude, by the way, if you ever get anything that you think is overflow, see if you can pass it my way as a freelancer. What are the ways that you can just start putting out the feelers? Another thing you can do, even if you're not in that situation, is you can use your local face-to-face -face connections to break in to doing work that you've never done before, that you haven't been proven on, with people that trust you, that know you're capable, but you don't have a big portfolio. So for me personally, this has looked like uh, content marketing campaigns. So, you know, I've done essentially, uh, okay guys, let's just stop the presses for just a damn second and listen. 
I get the fact that equating creativity with content, that word can be disgusting and dirty, I get it. Save the spiel, I agree with you, but let's just set that aside for a minute so we can talk with language that we have uh, around this topic. Okay, so content marketing, just the idea of making stuff to give away to your audience to gain their attention. Instead of making an ad, give them some free content so they will give you their attention. That's the idea here. I'd done that for years with my personal projects. So I'd created these projects. Instead of creating ads or sending out postcards or sending out emails saying, please hire me. Instead, I created work that I tried to bake in value so that people would trade me their time and also like it so much that they would share it so I could get on that word of mouth thing. And that served me really well. And I feel like I increasingly got more and more strategic with that over the years to where I could see a goal, reverse engineer it into the type of work that I needed to make and make that work so I could position myself in the market to end up getting those jobs. And so, I felt like this was a skill that I developed, that I was proficient at, that I could offer, and, in, and I really enjoyed doing it. I really enjoyed this idea of strategic ideation. But I didn't have, you know, I had a portfolio in illustration. However, I had friends, peers start approaching me, even people from the industry, but people I knew, and that's why I count them as local, people that were friends of mine that were noticing that I was doing that, that were willing to pay me to help them do the same thing. And so I slowly, I, I don't really, you know, plan on diving super deep and doing this on a big corporate level, but that was one path that I saw that I could possibly do, is I could really pivot my business to head that direction. And I had some opportunities to do that, but I have really enjoyed doing this very different type of energy, and spending that time and that energy has influenced and cross-pollinated into all the other work that I do. And so that's another thing you can do on a local level, is what can you, try out? What can you be a rookie at that they'll allow you to take a whack at with the people that you just know? Um, so there's all kinds of different ways that you can utilize these local connections. What about that sweet, sweet, sweet passive income money? that stuff that everybody's always talking about. What you need is some of that passive income, that making money while you sleep income, make that, that money that works for you income. Listen, you need to buy that big old bucket of cows that you buy one time and they'll be making milk for days, for years, for years into the future. Buy a big old coop of chickens I mean, we're gonna let them run. That's just where they sleep, because we're not savages, all right? These are free-range, organic chickens, but you buy those chickens once, they make eggs for you for the rest of your life. I'm unsure about the lifespan of chickens, but for a long time, right? Now, everybody talks about passive income like it's the most amazing thing in the world. I want to just poke a little hole in that bubble because I feel like this whole idea of passive income and it being your savior possibly has made you 
uh, skeptical in such a way that you didn't even try because you knew the truth. You knew that sweet, sweet, sweet passive income was not going to be so sweet as they were saying, and it wasn't going to be as passive as they made it out to be. You know, these marketing dudes sometimes make it sound like you can just uh, flip a switch and earn millions of dollars while you lay on the beach. I get it. That's completely untrue. Totally agree with that. However, here is what I'm saying. Quit thinking like that. Quit thinking about whether passive income is going to completely change everything overnight and do what I'm going to call the 116. The 116. What is the one way that you could start making passive income that could pay one of your bills? in six months. Your goal being that in six months, this passive income that you created, this thing that you invested time in, would pay one of your bills. And that could be your mortgage, or that could be your cell phone bill. It could be tiny or it could be big. But if you start investing these little bits of time, it could be, it could be Friday mornings, you're gonna work, you're gonna invest time and energy making this book making this podcast, making this thing, this, this app, this whatever that is going to turn into passive income. And your goal can be tiny. If you do this every six months for five years, all of a sudden, all of your bills are paid that, with stuff that you've already made, with chickens that are already bought. And for me personally, this has been a game changer with uh, the Patreon. That's another thing. Another thing I hear, lots of people come to me and say, how do you like Patreon? I say, well, I, it's okay. I like it. Uh, it's deeply connected to my thousand true fans. It's deeply connected all of these things. It's an ecosystem that works together. And so do I think Patreon is the game changer that's going to change everything for you overnight? No. But I think most creative people, most commercial artists could take the next six months strategically plan to get Patreon paying you monthly fees that pay for your cell phone bill. And that's one bill that you don't have to worry about. And so I'm not saying that sweet, 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 sweet passive income is going to change your life overnight. But I am saying if you can start investing right now into some things that will pay a few of your bills on a monthly basis without you having to think about it, that will start creating margin. Margin is the creative's best friend. Margin means space. Creativity cannot happen without space for play. If you, and this is one of the things I talk about, um, sometimes I get asked questions about how can business uh, be more compatible, uh, compatible with creativity? And I say that one of the things that I think uh, business really, really gets wrong with creativity is that business is so hyper-focused on productivity and, 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 and risk manage it. There's management. They're so risk averse that they won't allow creativity to happen because in order for creativity to happen, you have to get into the open mode. You have to have space that is okay to waste. And it doesn't mean it has to be 
tons and tons of space could be two or three hours every week. But those two, three or two or three hours, you have space to play where the outcome could be completely nothing. The only goal is to enjoy the time spent. And if you start investing in passive income, you will start investing in the margins. And if you have margins, that will in turn feed your creativity and it will help you thrive. So this episode, I really want to encourage you to embrace this idea, this farming concept of letting the land rest. I think as creative people, it's so easy to get in our minds this false narrative, this false goal, this idea of what would it look like if I could spend nine to five, five days a week, all year doing that creative work that lights me on fire. Here's what I wanna throw at you right now. I wanna throw this idea at you, that I don't think you've got more than four good creative hours in a day. And I do think your goal should be how do I find my value, develop it in such a way, and shine it to the world so that I can spend four hours every weekday, every year, pouring into the reason that I'm on this planet. However, you've got a lot more work in you. There's a lot more energy in you than just those four hours a day. And I would encourage you to think creatively. Use that same creative energy in your work to plan out your career, to let the land rest. Because you can't paint pictures all day, every day. That's how musicians get into that sophomore slump. Because when they made their first album, one of those guys was working at Ikea folding shirts. And while he was folding shirts, his brain was working on the creative ideas. He was working in this environment that made him relatable to people. He was doing the trudging, the daily grind, the stuff that's annoying. It was making him human. But then they have this breakout record and spend a, six months in France messing around, doing God knows what, and then two months in the studio doing whatever they want to do, just noodling on stuff and making this work that's disconnected from reality. In order to make human work, you got to kind of live like a human. And so here's my encouragement is yeah, let your goal be the majority of my workday spent doing the reason I'm on this planet. But the other hours of the day, how can I invest in work that I enjoy the process of, that feeds that creativity, that cross-pollinates into that creativity? Right now, my career has never been more of a thriving ecosystem, and I'm just loving every second of it, and I've been looking at it and thinking, why is it working so well? And I think part of it is I've got cows in the pastures taking, uh, <laughs> making fertilizer. That fertilizer's going over to the cornfield. That corn is feeding the cows and also turning a profit. And then this field is doing that and it's all working intertwined because 
In the morning, I'm working on a podcast. I get stumped on the podcast. I go over to the illustration work. The illustration work, I have a breakthrough in that that then in turn feeds the podcast. And then I'm doing teaching and I'm noticing something in the student that I'm working with that's the same thing that I've been working at. And it's this mirror and it's this energy and it's all working together. And so I'm encouraging you today to reinvent, to imagine, to create a career that has all these layers and has all in this healthy, vibrant, diverse income. Uh, and I think that you will be at your best. That's it for another week. Boom, babies, man. This was a more practical episode, a little shorter, a little punchier. I hope that it stimulates some different types of thinking about your career. I hope it changes your perspective on some stuff or even just a good reminder. Most of this stuff is probably stuff you've thought about or heard about, but maybe you need a, a new, fresh reminder or a new, fresh way of thinking about it. Uh, I know for me, this approach has been a game changer, so I hope it is for you. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you for sharing the podcast. That means so much to me. I super duper love you guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks to our syndicate, Illustration Age. You can find this show at illustrationage.com slash creative pep talk. You can also go check out uh, why they're the theme music for this podcast. They have three new songs from their forthcoming album, Go check them out on Spotify. They're absolutely lovely. If you like the sound of the beginning and end of this podcast, you're going to like these new tracks. Go check out Metavari at soundcloud.com slash Metavari. They're the, the dudes that provide all the tunes for making this podcast sound as it does. Thank you guys for doing that. Love you guys. Dudes, I love you. I support you in your creative mission. Please do whatever it takes to stay pepped up. Some of you, just a final note, some of you might have noticed in that last bit, I said you were folding shirts at Ikea. I know that's not what you do if you work at Ikea. It was an accident, I meant Urban Outfitters. Anyway, I just wanted to let you know that I knew that. Stay pepped up. <laughs>